Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts with a look at California agricultural news. Early registration for the 2024 Crop Consultant Conference hosted by Progressive Crop Consultant Magazine and Western Region Certified Crop Advisors is now open. The popular event for certified crop advisors, pest control advisors, grower applicators, and industry professionals is the mainstay for all continuing education needs this year and will take place on September 25th and 26th at the Visalia Convention Center. Visit myaglife.com slash events for the early discounted rate of $275 per person, which includes the live conference, a trade show with 70-plus exhibits, first-class dining, entertainment, and a mixer. We'll see you there. Beam Circular, the Almond Board of California, Stanislaus County, and Esco Strat are pleased to announce the issue of a rare AA rating to the North San Joaquin Valley Bioeconomy Development Opportunity Zone centered in Modesto, California, North America's first BDO zone rating for orchard biomass, nut tree shells, and almond holes. The North San Joaquin Valley BDO Zone Investment Grade Rating denotes very high-quality feedstock supply chains and infrastructure. The region exhibits a long-standing industry supported by 6,300 nut tree growers and suppliers along with a robust network of processors and separators of nuts from shells and holes in concentrated locations, according to BEAM. Decreasing local demand for local biomass along with significant quantities of feedstock currently available for the cost of transportation create ideal conditions for large-scale bio project development. Significant infrastructure advantages include flexible zoning, access to natural gas, rail connectivity, and proximity to an extensive highway system. The AA rating for the North San Joaquin Valley's BDO zone is a testament to the region's unique positioning for global leadership in a bioeconomy, according to Karen Warner, CEO of Beam Circular. She says local communities are proactively investing in the infrastructure partnerships and innovation that will allow them to grow world-class bioindustrial manufacturing facilities in the heart of the most productive agricultural state in America. The region is ready to support and scale the future of sustainable bioproduction. Almond biomass is uniquely concentrated with well-established transport systems. With this rating and research investments made by the almond industry, they stand ready to partner with companies in bio-based industries, according to Josette Lewis, Vice President and Chief Scientific Officer of the Almond Board of California. Rated for over a million tons of underutilized project available feedstock, this first AABDO zone rating for tree fruit biomass underscores the high level of regional readiness for biomanufacturing within the North San Joaquin Valley. That according to Jordan Solomon, chair of the BDO Zone Initiative. The zone offers very low risk supply chains and is positioned as a prime target for top tier and innovative bio-based projects. The collaborative efforts of organizations dedicated to realizing this BDO zone highlight the region's visionary approach and the bold stance it takes in a global bioeconomy. To see the full BDO zone rating for the North San Joaquin Valley, log on to bdozone.org. The California Bountiful Foundation, the 501c3 Science Research and Education nonprofit organization of the California Farm Bureau, will begin enrollment on February 21st for a new program called Expanding Our Roots, Beginning Farmers and Ranchers Mentorship Program. The free program is for beginning farmers and ranchers with 1 to 10 years of farming and ranching experience in California. 
Farmers and ranchers interested in serving as mentors may also sign up via the website. Mentors are financially compensated for providing six hours of mentoring services to beginning farmers and ranchers. The program will allow 200 beginning farmers to be paired up with mentor farmers and ranchers with more than 10 years of experience. Half of the program participants must be socially disadvantaged farmers and military veterans in farming and ranching. Mentoring will focus on a range of topics, including market access, climate stresses, navigating the regulatory system, production management, and business aspects of farming in California. The program will also provide educational workshops that offer insights on regulations for farming and ranching in California. Additionally, participants will learn about financial incentives, including grant opportunities that can help them to fund conservation management practices and climate smart agriculture. They will be exposed to resources from the University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources and the University of California Cooperative Extension. For more information on the mentorship program and or on becoming a mentor, log on to CaliforniaBountifulFoundation.com. Farmers and vendors in San Joaquin County are expressing concerns over an electrical transmission project they say would bisect farm properties, restrict the ability to change crops, and negatively affect property values in one of the state's top wine regions. Growers with farms in the path of the transmission system proposed by Pacific Gas and Electric and Lodi Electric Utility raise their concerns during a recent virtual meeting. Three longtime University of California Cooperative Extension Farm Advisors were honored by the California chapter of the American Society of Agronomy. The career achievements of Rachel Long, Shannon Mueller, and Richard Smith, all now retired, were recognized by their peers at a ceremony held earlier in February at the California Plant and Soil Conference in Fresno. Since 1973, the California chapter of the ASA has recognized individuals who have made significant contributions to California agriculture during their careers. As California California ASA past president Michelle Leinfelder Miles congratulated her UCCE colleagues, all of whom have been granted emeritus status by the university. Long retired as a UCCE farm advisor in 2023, after 37 years of doing research on crop production, pollination, and pest control in collaboration with farmers starting in Sonoma County, then San Joaquin Valley, and the last 32 years in Solano, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Sarah Light, UCCE Agronomy Farm Advisor for Sutter, Yuba, and Calusa counties, presented Long's award, saying that Long's work in the 1990s documented how pesticides were transported off-site from farm fields in surface irrigation water, noting Long's research led to the adoption of practices such as pesticide choice and vegetative filter strips, including cover crops that are now commonly used to protect surface waters from pesticides used on farms. She is currently writing a children's book introducing them to the world of bees. Mueller, who retired in 2019, was a UCCE advisor in Fresno County and director of the UCCE-Fresno-Madera Multi-County Partnership. Throughout her 31-year career, Mueller exemplified professionalism on every research project, extension effort, committee, advisory board, or work group with which she was involved, according to Carol Freight, Emeritus UCCE Farm Advisor, who presented Mueller's award, saying the results of her work with alfalfa seed and pollination resulted in practices used to this day. 
Smith retired as a UCCE Vegetable Crops Advisor in January of 2023, but continues to contribute his expertise. Initially hired in 1987 as a crop vegetable farm advisor in Stanislaus County, Smith transferred to San Benino County in 1989 as a small farms advisor. His role later expanded to vegetable crops and weed science farm advisor for San Benito, Monterey, and Santa Cruz counties. Michael Kahn, UCCE Irrigation and Water Resources Advisor for the Central Coast, presented Smith's award, saying that Smith has also been at the forefront of solving major problems facing a vegetable industry on the Central Coast. One of the most recent and impactful issues was the major loss of lettuce production in 2020, which was caused by impatience, necrotic spot virus, and pythium wilt disease. The supply of melons on the West Coast looks to be steady. There's ample supply of cantaloupes and honeydews all at the ports right now from all shippers, according to Justin Boots with Legend Produce LLC. He says he's not sensing a shortage of all. All the contracts are being covered and supply definitely exceeds demand. On the West Coast, Legend Produce is importing melons from Honduras, though the industry is importing from Guatemala, Costa Rica and the Dominican Republic. As for demand, it's been strengthening recently. He says he doesn't know if that has to do with the weather improving a little bit in Southern California. There's been very poor weather across the country, but especially in California, movement at the retail level has been slow, according to Boots. Following late 2023's cantaloupe recall of cantaloupes from Mexico, it's tricky to determine if that's affected melon demand overall throughout the industry. He says for some consumers, it may have had an impact. However, it's tough to find out factually how much of an impact that really had. As time goes on, hopefully that will fade from people's minds. He says he's hopeful that demand will pick up as the year progresses and the weather continues to warm up. As spring inches closer, melon promotions could also be on deck for holidays such as Easter, which would also help movement. Meanwhile, as volumes remain consistent, that constant supply is helping keep the market level. Pricing is now around 11 to $13 for standard-sized cantaloupes on the West Coast. Honeydew is having a more challenging time with movement, and pricing on that standard-sized fruit, fives and sixes, is around $11. Some shippers, including Boots, are loading some volume orders priced after sale to keep the inventory moving and keep the fresh fruit. He says he's not sensing that pricing will change in the short term. USDA's Food and Nutrition Service recently published a proposed rule that the agency says will help ensure the federal child nutrition programs are properly operated. The regulatory updates seek to strengthen and clarify the process for correcting major mismanagement problems, also called serious deficiencies, found in child nutrition programs. The proposed changes will ensure that procedures in child and adult care food programs and summer food service program, also known as CACFP and SFSP, align with current requirements under law. The changes include providing operators a fair path to fully correct serious mismanagement problems, clarifying termination and disqualification criteria for SFSP operators, and addressing legal requirements for obtaining records of individuals who are disqualified from the program and sponsoring organizations that operate in multiple states. USA is also proposing a standard definition of what it means for an operator to be in good standing, which currently does not exist. The public is invited to comment on the proposed changes by May 21st at regulations.gov. 
USA's Agricultural Research Service and the University of Georgia broke ground recently on a new research facility at the UGA Tifton campus. The facility will house the Southeast Watershed Research Laboratory and the Crops Genetic and Breeding Research Unit. USA says research at the facility will advance climate-smart agricultural research, ranging from water resources to insect and pollinator management and developing sustainable and resilient crop systems. USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack was among those announcing a series of rural economic development project investments as part of a recent town hall meeting. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. A set of investments in rural America. The announcements Wednesday in North Carolina, provided in part by Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. We are, in fact, expanding significantly investments in expanded broadband access in rural places. We're looking at ways in which we can improve the quality of water and wastewater systems. From an economic development standpoint, if you don't have a good water treatment system, if you don't have a disposal system, it's pretty tough to introduce economic opportunity into your community. So we're investing in that. We're investing in a wide variety of opportunities for expanded housing and ways in which we can encourage and improve quality of life through community facilities. Total investments in 216 new projects come in at over $772 million and are expected to benefit more than 1 million rural citizens. That includes projects funded through the federal government's Collaborative Rural Partners Network, aimed to address issues in rural underserved communities. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper told the group's annual National Ethanol Conference in San Diego that 2024 will be one of the most pivotal years ever for the industry. Cooper says policy decisions in the next three to six months on sustainable aviation fuel tax credits, year-round E15, and light-duty vehicle tailpipe standards will shape ethanol's future for possibly decades to come. Cooper commented on the GREET model, which is still being modified, but is expected out tomorrow, which would figure the sustainable aviation fuels carbon footprint and eligibility for must-have tax credits. The modified GREET model will either help open the door for U.S. agriculture and ethanol producers to participate in the SAF market, or it will lock out the highest volume, lowest cost feedstocks and assure the failure of this administration's ambitious SAF goals. But USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack offered reassurance. We are working hard to make sure that as we create these incentives that they include room for climate-smart agricultural practices, which is going to make it easier for that which we grow and raise on our farms to be used as feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel, to be able to qualify for the various incentives. We're working hard to make that happen, and I'm confident that it will happen. Cooper, in the meantime, urged EPA to reconsider its pro-electric vehicle pending tailpipe rule and instead take a technology-neutral approach. He laminated EVs will erode ethanol demand 450 million gallons for every 1 million new EVs sold, thus the importance of EPA finalizing its long-overdue year-round E15 rule. Not only does E15 slash harmful tailpipe pollution reduce carbon emissions and lower pump prices, but it gives ethanol a chance for modest growth in an otherwise declining gasoline market. It helps us hold the line on demand as other new markets like aviation, maritime, and heavy duty are emerging. Just months before the next summer driving season, Cooper says there are new rumors EPA might issue a final rule as planned by late March, but not implement it until 2025. 
USDA's Economic Research Service is highlighting new data that shows rural employment levels are back to pre-COVID levels. The COVID-19 pandemic affected employment in rural and urban areas differently. Before the pandemic, employment growth was higher and employment rates were slightly lower in urban areas. However, the trends reversed during the pandemic. In the second quarter of 2020, urban employment fell to 88% of pre-pandemic employment levels, while rural employment fell to 90% of pre-pandemic levels. Unemployment during the pandemic reached a high of 13.3% in urban areas and 11.4% in rural areas. Rural and urban employment grew quickly in the third and fourth quarters of 2020 as many sectors of the economy reopened. Rural employment recovered to pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter of 2023, more than one year after urban employment did. Rural unemployment rates in 2023 were at their lowest point since before 1990. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. 